Hello and welcome to this new CM Medical series, The Digital Health Digest. I'm today's host, James Moore, and my focus here at CM Medical is the digital health market with a special interest in industry innovators who are revolutionizing healthcare through digital solutions to make healthcare more accessible for all. In today's episode, I speak with Faisa High, partner at Telocity Investment Funds, about some of the current trends of funding in the digital mental health space, as well as some of the errors investments look for when finding their next unicorn to invest in. Whether you're interested in digital mental health and its funding, or eager to hear insight from an esteemed leader in the space, be sure to have a listen. Here it is, and hope you enjoy. I'm pleased to be joined by uh, Faye Sahai on, on the podcast. Hi, Faye. How are you? Great. Wonderful to be here with you today. Perfect. Perfect. I suppose just for the, the listeners, it would be great to get um, an overview on yourself and, and what you do before I explain a bit as well. Um, well, it's an honor to be here. I have spent uh, 25 years in kind of the healthcare industry, innovation, emerging technology. Um, so I headed up uh, Kaiser Permanente's Innovation Lab and Innovation Fund, AIG's Global Innovation. Had th- three of my own startups from that standpoint, uh, Deloitte's Healthcare, and started early with both of my parents being doctors and, and working working in their offices as a, as a teenager as well. So I found healthcare for me is a great place in making an impact and difference in people's lives. Perfect. No, no, that's that's great. And I suppose, you know, I think we met through yourself signing up to one of the webinars I was doing in the mental health space, which segments quite interestingly into maybe what you're doing now. I'm phase a partner of Telocity Fund. And you mentioned there 25 years in healthcare have a bit more of a focus on the digital health and digital mental health side as well. Um, so we'll good, be good to get your background and how you transitioned into this niche but booming area right now. Ah, definitely. The need is is growing. It's so amazing from that, you know, like one in five are experiencing a mental illness and we've seen an increase during COVID. Sometimes in the, in the clinical depression, increasing 52% in adolescents alone. So um, we see a huge need in this area. And having focused on that digital health space, we also saw a gap. It was as far as um, investments, innovation, technology until the past few years where we've kind of really seen um, a real growth in the number of innovations, technologies, adaption, uh, innovative ideas, investments. But if we look at the whole global wellness market, it's a $4 trillion opportunity. Um, I think we've kind of seen the likeness and kind of execution of the headspaces and comms, but also as we're looking into, you know, other startups really successfully raising as well as investing in and affecting and treating millions of people. Perfect. No, yeah. Like you say, it's, it's something there's where there's such a great need for. Um, and from your side on, you know, Telocity Fund side, I know there's a lot of focus on that within adolescence as well as all other areas. But for T- Telocity Fund as a start and how you transitioned into the, I suppose, investment side, how, how did that come about for you? Um, so at uh, both Kaiser and AIG, I was helping do investments into startups and uh, the due diligence and really looking at it from that standpoint. So I'm more on the corporate venture capital side. Um, and then an opportunity came in to really kind of dive deep into the mental health side. So um, we actually just explored that um, working with a, a family office and really kind of exploring and raising in that area um, or raising a new fund. Uh, based on all the great learnings we've learned from this, those investments as well. So in 2020, we um, the investment, the portfolio companies we 
worked with um, touched two million lives in a critical time. So we just feel that it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity area. Having been on startups and being a founder, I also know that the challenges of um, doing this. And, and also, I think we're in a very interesting time, a turbulent market where we are, but it actually even makes mental health even even more critical with the amount of stress and anxiety people have about the economy right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting what you said. I think, you know, there are so many great ideas and and, and of these digital health platforms, digital mental health apps, um, but it's so difficult from a business point of view and there are so many challenges. And I know from speaking with, with Catherine and, and, and other people who you've invested in um, that, you know, from your side, it isn't just the financial, it's also the, I suppose you must call it mentoring side as well that you guys offer, but it would be good to hear, yeah. you know, you touch on that on the sides of, working with these early stage companies, how it unfolds and, you know, as well as the financial side, the offerings and knowledge that that that, that you and, and your partners bring them. Yeah, so um, we really want to support the founders um, to be successful. So we work with them regularly. We meet with them monthly. Um, we see what ways we can help do introductions, uh, subject matter experts that they need. And what we find is there's a lot of great ideas, but they might not have uh, understand the healthcare regulatory environment, the re reimbursement environment, how to approach healthcare insurers and payers versus providers um, and doctors in that offices, or some are going through educational institutions uh, from that. And so really kind of helping with their strategy, um, kind of vetting out their business model with them, doing their, um, we also teach an investor readiness course, uh, done that for seven years and really helping startups prepare for their next round and their funding. So we really want to, and we customize it to that startup. So it's not like an accelerator program where you have kind of a cohort going through. It's really saying like, what do you need? What, what are your wants? And really kind of addressing that and meeting with them. And we really enjoyed working Catherine, Neil, and all our other portfolio companies to help them be successful. Perfect. No, no, that's really interesting. I'm sure it will be interesting for, you know, all founders and, and CEOs out there who, you know, are going through that funding thing, as you said, you've been mentioning then yourself and, you know, would be really interested to know maybe some of the, the key things that, that you look for. Obviously, you know, there are so many companies in this market right now and how the kind of pitching process goes to, to you and your guys. I know from yourself, you know, you'd always offer a company help regardless, but for a company to actually, you know, become part of your portfolio, some of the things you really look for in, you know, a company who've really just started as an idea, because I know that the seed area is, is, is where most of your funding comes. Yes, yes, uh, that, that is true. We're really looking for differentiation. What is the value you're offering? Um, and how are you differentiating in the market? Yeah. And then um, what evidence do you have that you're actually making a positive difference in someone's mental wellness and digital wellness from that standpoint? And then what traction? So it's that differentiation, evidence, and traction. So from adoption to retention to what is your, you know, how is your go-to-market from that? What is your pipeline? What are your current customers uh, from that standpoint? Yeah, no, no, that's really interesting because when I work with companies nowadays on, you know, recruiting candidates is when I call someone up, the first question is always what makes them different? Because the market 
is so, I wouldn't say oversaturated, but it's so well populated with great platforms. There are certainly some platforms that maybe don't match out to others now. And I suppose, you know, from when you started, there was probably not even a fraction of the amount of companies now. What are your thoughts on maybe how many companies there are in the market now and the way we're heading with this great boom. I know some people are slightly concerned with the, the quality of care and there are so many apps against the real scientific-based ones and the regulations on that. Yes, when we first started looking and like in 2018, 19, there were just hundreds, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> from that. And, to, and then now it's like thousands um, from that. And um, but when you start looking at which ones actually have some kind of evidence to having it kind of pieces them out from that. And then to your point, um, you don't want another me too app. Yeah. Right. So in the me too space, there's quite a bit of crowding <laughs> from that uh, standpoint. So um, a little bit of kind of a differentiation in that area um, as well. So I, we really saw across eight categories we were kind of investing in all the way from kind of digital wellness, self-care, positive skill building, all the way to the critical assessment and access to care. And, you know, really interesting emerging technologies coming in with VR and AR of like kind of immersion situations to Internet of Things and sensors, really understanding the biofeedback of your body, whether you're going through a panic attack, depression, bipolar, to voice analysis of um, really diagnosing from voice to um, really looking at eye tracking is also another symptom to digital empathetic advisors that are understanding your voice, your tone, your context, and then, you know, engaging with you online with AI. Um, so it's a really interesting time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I've known your portfolio quite well. I think every, you know, company has that kind of slight different edge to it. Um, there isn't just, you know, 30 things doing the same. And I think it's, it's, it really says a lot about the way the market's going and having that difference, the amount of technology that out there is now and the people having these ideas, sometimes it can be different. And I suppose, you know, the challenge that I've spoken about with CEOs and founders on this podcast before is the difficulty between having a great idea and, you know, being really passionate about mental health and then tackling the road that, like yourself, someone who is, you know, very much value driven in healthcare, but making sure and taking side of the, you know, commercial side, turning this really good idea into a you know profitable business because it has to be that way to be able to deliver the care. So we'd be interested to know your thoughts on you know the challenge. Sometimes you might get a really passionate founder or CEO come to you with an amazing idea, but you know maybe struggle on the business side on exactly how to start sales and things like that, um, and how you know that works and maybe tips you have in that area. Definitely, I think there are quite a few challenges for uh, some people. And I think kind of first starting out too, um, and especially if you're trying to deal and get into more of the health plan, insure kind of for reimbursement or the provider, I think the, the challenge is really getting the that adoption, the introductions, long sales cycle. It easily can be a year uh, from that. And then what, how are you going to get the reimbursement? Do you understand the coding aspect of, are you credentialed to be able to bill to insurance from, from that standpoint? And then also the retention. What we find is there's so much options and availability there is how do they find you and how do they stay with you yeah. uh, from that standpoint? So really understanding um, that. So we even know that when, 
patients schedule a mental health appointment, you know, 60% of them don't, you know, withdraw from the first appointment. So even that's face-to-face, right? So now you're adding a digital layer to that. So then how are you engaging in ensuring completion, which is yeah. an interesting one in itself. Yeah, no, no, that's really interesting to hear on that side. You know, you do all the hard work of maybe getting the marketing out there and you do finally get that first meeting, but it's then, you know, it's not really enough making it more attention from there. And I suppose it leads on to my my next point of discussion, really over your side of working in, in healthcare. Do you feel like now where we're at, especially in the US, that, you know, people feeling a bit more comfortable reaching out and speaking about the mental health side and how digital health has made that a bit easier instead of having to go out and book an appointment, you can just do it on your phone and the acceptance of that? Ah, no, such great points, because we've definitely seen very high profile athletes to influencers to you know regular people you know with the likes of the tiktok really saying i'm struggling and it's okay to say i'm not okay um so we definitely have seen that we've also been doing some national surveys polls focus groups really and uh, kind of the adoption of digital health really increased with covid right when we that was our option uh, from that standpoint but we've also seen People appreciate that, especially in the mental health from people that are fearful of going out and, you know, socializing, having that come to them has been a key one. Also, in a sense of um, it's been really interesting to look at AI and chatbots. For some, what we found in in kind of focus groups is they really appreciated that um, in that sense of they didn't feel like another human being was judging them. Yeah. Um, and so it was really interesting to kind of uh, look at kind of those aspects. Um, we've seen it in the computerized cognitive based training, too, where then people feel like if it's online, they can actually rewind, look at it, get reinforcement in certain areas that they didn't understand versus if it were kind of a, a live class or from that they might feel shy asking a question, feeling it was a stupid question or asking them to repeat if English is a second language for them. Um, so we really have found that kind of uh, digital solutions being adopted in uh, across different areas. Yeah, no, that's that's an amazing point, which I suppose defines exactly on breaking down barriers to people who wouldn't speak about it before. And I think, you know, like you said, the research you've seen from, you know, people not feeling as judged or embarrassed when it isn't an actual human is is so interesting. And I think, you know, in today's culture offers so much more. And I think on that, I know a lot of companies you've worked with focus on, you know, not always the, the you know, hardcore mental health um, accessibility, but more promoting wellness and, and and healthy lifestyles and how that affects people's mental health because when we're discussing mental health now people are probably think you know we're talking about counselors or going to counseling but it can even stem down to platforms which i know you've worked with that focus on sleep or overall well-being you know active lifestyles and you know would be good to know your thoughts on how important that is as just to start maybe more of a preventative rather than you know causation or fix uh, no, we really think it's not only for prevention, but there's also bouts like where where we might have like a mental illness crisis. It doesn't mean that our whole life is a mental illness crisis, right? There is kind of those in between. We got really interesting feedback from people of like, I don't, you know, they I, I want to be able to go on an app when I'm both happy or sad or depressed. 
right? So that they wanted something to kind of go with their mood, how they're feeling. So that's why we really looked upstream and kind of, to your point, prevention, wellness, maintaining your self-care, teaching you that resilience from that. And there's some great studies on the impact of sleep and what we eat on our well-being and our mental health. Um, Some great um, work. And we we recently got to go to an amazing conference, um, listening to all the greatest research on how your diet can actually impact bipolar Mm. and, and, you know, kind of reduce the dependency on all the medications really help kind of in your mood from that really kind of feed your, your brain in a positive, healthy way. So I think it's, it's really interesting as we look holistically across the market. And, and I was saying that, you know, it's a $4 trillion digital wellness market globally. And um, if we address it holistically, I think we'll all win. Yeah, no, no, I, I, absolutely. I think it's so interesting, those links that that you'd never think about before from the, the dietary side. And I suppose the market booming so much, which I'm sure you've been involved in a lot of companies I've worked in, is basically getting mental health through to people so much through these platforms selling to employers um, as an employer benefit because people think, well, you know, it's from my side great to see because people who maybe wouldn't, you know, invest in a platform themselves or before think, well, if my employer does it, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's got so many people more speaking about it. And also from, you know, the benefit, as I'm sure you've seen the research from, you know, having a mentally happy and healthy workforce as well for all these companies. Yeah, no, we've definitely seen um, a lot of employers come into the market because they want to help their employees and their families as well. So we know that, you know, there's so much, I think it's $44 billion lost in the workspace due to productivity and depression. That's just depression alone, $44 billion. And um, so employers are really seeing the need to kind of jump into this space and support their employee population and the overall wellness. So I, I think and we're going to see this growing as we as we look at the younger generations. They are more open about their mental wellness and their and they care about it more too, right? So as we look to your point at the future of work, it's changing dynamically as our kind of workforce is changing as well. Yeah, yeah, and and all these digital health platforms that now you know can cater to masses of employees because I suppose before you know, like to your previous point. Um, I think earlier on in, in, in years ago, big companies would be seen as innovating by having an in-house counselor. But again, it goes to your point of, you know, is it anonymous how people are working with these things? So no, it's, it's amazing and really good to hear. And I think what else would be really interesting, I think from my side and CEOs who I've worked with, founders, the difficulty of, you know, going from maybe where it's you and your founders to scaling up companies, going through those hiring needs of getting your first salesperson in or, you know, going down the route of getting engineers to build your platform. Is that something that you stay quite involved with when in investing a company, you know, where the money's going, what the roadmap is to actually build a running company? Yes, uh, we do. We, we talk to them about their product roadmap where they're going, especially in early stage, team is a critical component of what you're doing in selecting. Can this team execute? Can they meet kind of the market? Can they be agile and flexible from that? So definitely wonderful to partner with you. I know you're you're working with Neil and others too in really recruiting. And that talent is so critical 
Yeah. It's so important. And it changes through the stages, right? Early stage, they might be having an offshore contracted development team and technology, but as they kind of mature and get in their leadership, they need their own technology team and hiring those key components and hiring that staff is so important um, too, right? You know, usually it's a founder doing a lot of the business development and sales lead in the beginning. And now we see a lot in the growth officers and really customer um, satisfaction and engagement and service really. So as they mature, as they grow old, older, as they grow bigger, the number of customers they really need to kind of recruit that great talent on board. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think it's really interesting what, what you say as well and growing those people. And I'm sure yourself being involved in not just investing in them, but working and building startups yourself. You know, everyone says they're open to working for a startup until that contract comes through. And it doesn't have that long list of benefits that their multinational fortune, you know, 500 company that, that they've come for going through. So probably agree that getting someone who can wear many hats and really making sure that that, that people are ready and um, willing to, to go into that market. And I think, you know, from yourself moving forward with you know the fund and things are there any areas you guys are really looking to move into or exciting plans over the next year of where you see the market going or is it continue investing in the portfolio you have the the growth of Talisti fund i know you've got some amazing companies in there already but it'd be good to get some of your predictions on the market oh definitely um we are raising a new fund and uh definitely we're increasing just based on kind of feedback from all our advisors and luminaries and kind of experts. We're going across the whole care continuum. Right. Um, before we kind of stopped in the mild and moderate uh, from that and looked at the young uh, age, we're going age agnostic through the whole care continuum because we find that uh, it's not a one size fits all. Um, there's unique uh, kind of characteristics uh, going across a care continuum, especially serious and chronic. Um, mental health and really being able to address kind of solutions in that area. And I think payers and providers are really wanting um, some more in innovative, cost-effective quality solutions in that area as well. And as mentioned, kind of the sleep, fitness and activity and food, really looking at that area and impact on mental health. We're, we're coming out with a market guide because we want to kind of share right. all the learnings we've done these past several years to both the startups and investors, because we want to increase more innovation and investment in this area. We've seen great, um, great growth in this area, and we feel it will continue because the problem is growing. And also in downturns, healthcare investment is, continues to be a need uh, from that. And if anything, it's a good time to invest. Um, as you know, we, we look at valuations and where it's going um, from an investor standpoint. We're getting a little bit more time to do due diligence, kind of thoughtful on kind of the growth strategies and retention in this market. Yeah, no, no, that, that that's really interesting. And I think another area we've briefly discussed before is, you know, and I mentioned this from my previous host as well, or, or, or guest, should I say, is the, the, the femtech and digital women's health space. You know, I know you mentioned it to me before I'd even really heard of it and looked into it and looked into some companies in that. And I think it's amazing. And it goes again to the payers, but massively in the employers, very relevant right now and companies who can offer, you know, platforms for any female or women's in their work to have that touch point of care, you know, wondered if, you know, that's still, I mean, I know it's an area you've mentioned to me before is, is, is still very much of interest to you and the fund. Yes, it, it definitely is. I mean, 
it's interesting, right? We're half the world, half the world population. But if you looked at kind of the investors and also people that get funded, it was a small single digit, right? Single digit number of women investors, single digits, a number of female founders that got investment. And so when it came to FinTech, if you're trying to address uh, a male audience of investors saying, hey, I have this great new period app or lactation or, you know, what's happening, you know, um, and it's hard for them to understand. Yeah. Um, right? Because they don't relate and investors want to invest in something they understand. So naturally it didn't. So I think that it's been great to see more funds focused on femtech have female investors in that area uh, kind of focused because I just think there is such an opportunity in growth and we've, and we've definitely seen that as well. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And I think it's something that's, that's going to grow, grow massively. And I think the other area which I know you're involved in, of course, is the, you know, the mental health care and how important it is with the younger generation, the, you know, going through university schools. And I suppose how it does need to be segmented again, we've spoken about the holistic approach and as well as that, you know, having these niches that go into very specific areas of mental health. It's not a one size fits all. There will never be one digital mental health app that cures, you know, females in difficult situations or employers or, you know, children in that case. So, uh, yeah, wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, no, it uh, definitely, um, we had started in the kind of child area because 50% of all lifetime mental illness usually begins by the age of 14. Mm. And it usually takes them, uh, you know, 10 years, 10 to 11 years to find the right type of care, yeah. you know, and just think if you disrupt that, you can actually change the trajectory of someone's life uh, from that standpoint. And we know that suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people, um, and it's just increasing from that standpoint. So we really kind of wanted to kind of disrupt it in that area. But as we were looking at it, we knew it's happening even younger younger ages now, um, as well as older ages, um, all the way to seniors and kind of depression, loneliness and where it's going. So we feel it's such a critical time and a critical opportunity um, that we can really kind of address and innovative and, and through investments. So. Perfect. Perfect. No, no, I, I really appreciate that. And obviously, you know, you coming on the podcast as well, really interesting to hear so many of the areas of of your wisdom. And I think, you know, any early stage companies or any stage companies really who are listening, of course, CEOs, founders, or anyone else in the market. I know Faye's always open to having conversations with interesting companies and definitely check her portfolio out. I know you've got a lot of cool things coming out over the next few months as well, but thank you for sharing your knowledge and really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great talking today. that was my digital health digest with Faye Sahai. I'd like to thank Faye again for her time and the insights she provided on a fund and experience in the market. I hope anyone who was interested in any of the areas we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from her role and experience in the industry. Check out the rest of the series for plenty more insight from industry leaders in the digital health space. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, James Moore. Bye for now.